So I, uh, I received the blessing in my life that not everyone gets, and I recognize that, that I've been blessed in a very special way. I was able to grow up knowing uh, my great-grandmother, not just my grandmother, a level up, my great-grandmother, not just for a few years of my life either, but all the way up into um, high school. She lived a very long and, and, and great life. And there are many, many, many things that I'll, I will remember her for. But one of these that, is, that I remember her for is just the way that um, she cooked. <laughs> in, a, in a big way in, in, in Hispanic culture, that's a big deal, right? I just would remember that was almost like the first thing she'd say to me every time she'd see me, are you hungry? You know, and I always was, you know, especially as I was heading into high school, I was always hungry. And, and man, she, she really could cook, and it was a blessing to me. One of my favorite dishes that she would put together is a, is a meal called arroz con gandules, if you've ever had that. All the Puerto Ricans in the, in, in the church today are, are saying yes, absolutely. It's a staple, if you will. It's basically rice and beans, but our rice and beans. <laughs> and um, man, she made them the best to this day can't find anyone who can make them just like her. She would, you know, she, some people say it's in the pots, if that makes sense to you at all, but she'd get the ingredients and you knew she was making it because the whole house would smell so good. And I, I have very fond memories of uh, growing up in Orlando, what we'd do after church, the entire family would gather together um, at my grandparents' house where she also lived. And you'd walk in, and the first thing you smell is, oh, she's, she's cooking. Arroz con gandules, the smell in the air. And you knew it was going to be a good Sabbath lunch. And you'd see her there with all the ingredients out, not measuring a thing, just putting it in, because she knew it was all up here. And really, it was just, man, it was the best food I've ever had. And uh, all the way that these ingredients come together make just the perfect dish. In the Bible, we see examples, it's a little bit different, but how all of these ingredients all come together to make one thing, the Bible talks about something very similar, that each of us are given spiritual gifts, and each one is a little bit different, but they all come together to make one body that has one purpose. And so we're going to open today, we're going to open today starting in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because it illustrates something similar, like I just said. So go ahead and start opening up to 1 Corinthians 12. And we're going to start uh, in verse 7. And so while you're looking for that, I'll just keep talking. Each and every one of us, whether you know it or not, has been given a gift, a spiritual gift. Some of you you know, and, and we've seen today, we have very talented people who can sing and play instruments. That's a spiritual gift. We have people at our church here who are very good at, at doing administrative work. That's a spiritual gift. Some people are really good at reaching out. That's a spiritual gift. And sometimes, you know, people will ask, well, you know, I don't have anything that's really obvious, so do I have one? Who has them? How do I get one? What are spiritual gifts? Like, Pastor Ben, explain to me, what is it? How do I know that I have one? So we're going to start now in uh, verse 12. Nope, verse, chapter 12, verse 7. It says this. 
Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith. By the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So we've all been given a gift. We've all been given a gift Who has them? All of us. Where do they come from? Well, Scripture lets us know that it comes from the Spirit, one Spirit. And if we believe that the the same Spirit that this is talking about is the Holy Spirit, a member of the Trinity, then all gifts, all good gifts come from God. 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 4, and 6 Like, it brings this out. So there are different kinds of gifts. Everyone has one, right? But the same Spirit distributes them. Verse 5, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So who's actually the one who's doing anything good around here? God. Anything good that is produced from up here, from the pews, from our outreach, from our evangelism, all good things come to us by way of God. The verse says it all, all the same, it's the same work. It is God at work. And so within Going back to the analogy of uh, my great-grandmother, she would cook and she'd put everything together, right? There'd be all kinds of spices and, and different things that she'd pour in there, sauces, and it all comes together to be one thing. The Bible lets us know that each one of you has a different gift and that that comes together to be one body. All the spiritual gifts come together for one purpose. We're going to look again at verse 12. Or we're going to look now at verse 12 in chapter 12. It says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And this goes on to say, right, in the rest of this chapter, it goes on to say, Paul is making a point here, because what was happening in this church that he's writing this letter to is people were starting to think, well, if they have prophecy, then they're better than me, and I don't have gifts, and and I'm useless, and and if I don't have this special, flashy, in-your-face gift, then God has not blessed me. And so he goes on to say, can the foot, right? Can the foot say that it's better than the hand? Can the eye say that it's better than the ear? 
Can the mouth say that it's better than the stomach? Absolutely not, because every single one of these body parts makes up one body that does one thing, one purpose in Christ Jesus. Verse 20 and 26 says this. Um, yeah, as it is, there are many parts of the body, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable uh, are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, there are some parts of the body that we probably deem, you know, less important than others, right? As I was thinking, and I was like, you know, I could probably live without my pinky toe, right? I have nine others. It'd be okay. I could live, you know, I could live my life without one, and I'd be okay. But I don't know if you know this, and maybe you think that you can get rid of your pinky toe like me, that by getting rid of even the smallest toe, the seemingly most insignificant toe, it throws your entire balance off. Some medical experts say that, I mean, you, you, could, you could walk, but it would mess with your balance to a point that at first it would make walking, running, jumping seemingly impossible. You'd have to learn again how to live your whole life. You'd have to learn to walk again at whatever age you are right now. There is not a single part of the body that is not important. If one suffers, every other part suffers as well. Every one of you is important. Absolutely. We need all of you here. We need all of you out there. You are an important part of this church. And I want to say something to you. If you've never thought of this before, or you feel like you're just kind of a background player, you come to church and you leave, I want to let you know that you absolutely have a purpose. 100%. You have a purpose. Not just a purpose because you're good at something, but because God has given you a gift. God has called you important. God has given you purpose. And so now I kind of, you might seem to yourself, oh, I think he's contradicting himself, but bear with me. I'm going to contradict myself for just one second. You can have a gift, right? You can be a part of the body and be useless. I literally saw some of you look up. It's like, well, you just directly contradicted yourself. Bear with me for a second. You can be a part of the body and be useless. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to move over. We're going to jump to verse 8. We're going to start there. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8 says this, Love never fails. 
But where, oh, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong spot. <laughs> uh, we're actually going to be in 1 Corinthians 13.1. Sorry, we're going to start there. You can be a part of the body and be useless. It says this, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Friends, you can be a part of the body and be useless. I've tried, believe me, I've tried, you know, since, since her passing, I have tried to find a restaurant even. And y'all Google like, best Puerto Rican restaurant in Orlando, best Puerto Rican restaurant in, 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 in Tennessee when I was living at Southern. And I've looked, I've gone to people's houses and it's, you know, it's like, it's good. You tried, you know, but it's just, it's not the same. It's just never the same. Another example is uh, another thing that I really love. My mom, she makes this corn casserole. It was like a big hit at Potlucks when we would go. And, and, you know, she would, every time I came home from college for like a break, she made sure to make it because she knew that was my favorite thing. And when Raquel and I were married, we moved up to Michigan. I was just craving it one day. And I said, Mom, what's the recipe? You got to give me the recipe. And she did. Raquel and I, tried, we tried, what, like three times, Raquel, to make it? And every single time, it was inedible. It was disgusting. <laughs> like, the worst thing you've ever, like, it was raw in the middle, burnt on the sides. And we're, we're following the instructions. Mom, what are we doing wrong? Like, we even FaceTimed her and, like, watch us do it. And we put everything together. She's like, yeah, that's right. Put it in the oven. It, it cooked. Terrible. Tasted awful. What is missing? What's missing? I'm using all the right ingredients. I'd argue, I'd argue this. So bear with me a little bit. I'd argue that what was missing was the love, right? They say, oh, this was made with love. I was just trying to recreate something. Other restaurants or, you know, whatever, they don't care about me. I mean, they care if I pay them, but they don't care about me. I would argue that the missing ingredient in all of these things that we try to do ourselves is love. Because what I really, you know, thinking back and being introspective, what I really miss the most about my great-grandmother's arroz con gandules isn't the food. It's her. I miss her. The love that she had for me, the love I had for her, I miss that. 
and all the restaurants and everybody else in the world will never be able to have that level of love that I had with her. Without love, right? And same thing with, with the, the corn casserole. We did everything right. but We were just trying to produce. There was no love in that. I was just hungry. What was missing was the love. Because we were living in Michigan, I missed my mom. I missed home. Without love, the food falls flat. So let's look at it again. Verse 1 of chapter 13. If I speak in tongues of men or angels, which is a spiritual gift, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, those are all spiritual gifts. But I don't have love. I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. What's missing is love. Your gift absolutely is a part of the body of Christ. You are necessary. You have a purpose. You have a place. But if you act on that gift without love, it becomes useless. I don't want you to be offended. I'm just reading. I'm reading what's here. If your gift is a part of the body, love is the blood that runs through it and gives it life. It is the love of God that gives us power. Moving on, most gifts are temporary anyways. If you think about some of the things we just read, they're temporary. They're for this day and age only. Verse uh, 8, now we're going to be at verse 8. It says this, love never fails, but where there are prophecies... They will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Verse 11, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man... I put away, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall fully, I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Most of the gifts that we have are only meant for a short period of time. There's going to come a time where we don't need it. We don't need to prophesy anymore because God is right here. We don't need to speak in tongues so we'll be in heaven and we'll know what everyone's saying. We don't need some of these gifts for eternity. God gave us gifts to get us from point A to point B. But we don't need them forever. At its foundation, what is arroz con gandules? It's rice and beans. It's rice and beans. Everything else adds to it, adds to the flavor. But at its core, it's really only two things. I mean, it's in the name. Arroz con with gandules. Two things. 
You could have all the other ingredients that you need, everything else that makes it flavorful. You could have everything else, but without the rice and the beans, you're never going to get arroz con gandules. You'll just have a soupy mess. Without the foundation, it will never, ever happen. To close chapter 13, and well, chapter 13, verse 13, it says this. And now these three remain, right? We're building off of what we just read. Someday prophecies, we won't need them anymore. Someday pro- uh, 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 speaking in tongues, we won't need it anymore. Knowledge, we won't need it because we'll know everything already. He's right here. So building off of that in verse 13, and now these three remain. What's left after everything is gone? Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. It's all love. Absolutely love. You all have a purpose, yes. And I, and I work with some of you. I see your love and your passion. We all have gifts. But all of those gifts and all of that passion need to be driven by love and love alone. Because it's all love at its core, at its foundation, the greatest gift that all other gifts are built off of is love. And so some of, some of you might ask, okay, how do I make sure? How do I make sure that it's just not my own ambitions, that I'm actually doing what I'm doing because I love the Lord and because I love people? How do I make sure that love is the foundation? Well, there's a verbal exercise that, uh, that's been used before. Maybe you've heard it. And if not, uh, this will be the first time. We're going to go back. We're going to read uh, verse 4 through uh, the very beginning of 8. There are a few things, right? The reason that uh, verse 13 says, for example, that the greatest of these is love, right? You can't find anywhere in the Bible where it says that, um, that God is faith. You can't find it. God is faithful. We should be faithful to God. But it does not ever say God is faith. Nowhere in the Bible will you find it that it says God is hope. We have hope in God. God gives us hope, but he is not hope. The greatest of these is love because you will find throughout the Bible when we try to describe who God is, it is always coming back to us that God is love. So let's go ahead. We're going to read verse 4 through the beginning of 8, and we're going to switch something around. See if you can follow me. Verse 4, God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God does not dishonor others. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. God always protects God always trusts. God always hopes. God 
always perseveres. God never fails. How can you make sure? How do I have love? How do I do it in love? Seek God daily. Seek God daily with all of, all of that passion should go in towards seeking God first. And everything that happens as an overflow of that is what we can give. That is the only way we can be effective as, our, as parts of the body. To grow in love, we need to go to the source. How do I love? God is love. Seek God and you will become more and more loving, I promise. Let's bow our heads. Kind of Heavenly Father, God, we are useless without you. God, as pastor, I invite you corporately into this place, God, that, that the people here under the sound of my voice, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them in a new way. God, remind them that you are love, that you're not uh, quick to anger, Lord, that you are patient, that, that love is the foundation of why they're here today and why they are continuing on day after day. God, give us, give us hope. Lord, we ask for faith, but of all the things, God, we ask in a very special way that your love would pour out on all of us, that we would be made new. Lord, we love you, we miss you, we really hope to see you soon. I pray all of these things, everything that I've mentioned, God, I lay it at your feet in your son's name. Amen.